Welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 88. It is showtime, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am in first place in the entire National Hockey League. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's in 31st place in the entire National Hockey League. Frank, what's up? What's up? You know, you got a birthday coming up. I do. How's it going to feel to be one year older next podcast? That's so true. By next podcast, I will be one year older. I will be turning 28 years old. And you're being nice to me after I kind of made fun of your favorite team a little bit there. I apologize. Now I feel bad. It's all right. It's part of the sport. Yeah. Tomorrow's my birthday. Or no, Friday's my birthday. And I keep thinking today's Thursday, even though I know Thursday's tomorrow because I'm leaving for New Jersey tomorrow. That's something we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, a couple days left of being 27. And yeah. Sup, Skokes? Dudes. I imagine Skokes saying it in his head like that every time he types. (laughs) I want to meet Skokes. Yeah, well, we can arrange that. Skokes is good people, so thank you for watching Skokes. He had an opportunity. He had an opportunity. I met him at Bears training camp, and yeah, that was fun. Oh, man, imagine it being hot. What does that feel like? Ugh. You, You go, ugh. There are times I, I hate crave it. Well, there are times I crave it though. Thinking about fun mm. things. Okay, I've always said the my favorite seasons go in order, starting with fall. But I do believe that the best days of summer are the best days of the year. If that makes sense. I, I like, get what you're saying. I don't peaks, know if I agree. The peaks of summer outweigh the peaks of winter, but it the might valleys be. of winter outweigh the valleys of summer the valleys of summer suck the day-to-day in the 90s that sucks but like the bags tournament door county katie's birthday uh you know all the great things that happen in summer are a little bit more fun because you can do the outdoor activities yeah i get what you're saying but the the holidays in the winter time are more elite they're crisp (laughs) absolutely i mean i think three of my four mount rushmore or no Two of my four Mount Rushmore are in the winter. And then one is in the spring and one is in the summer. So mm-hmm. I like Halloween too, but it's it's probably number four. Or That's number fair. five. That's we fair. talked about this already, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Thanksgiving pod ranking holidays. We'll have a Christmas mm-hmm. period too coming up in a couple weeks. But what do you got on your mind? Nothing. Anything? Huh? Anything some puck? I'm just vibing. Just vibe and wearing the Seattle Mariners had any particular reason for that? You hoping they uh, sign? Were you hoping they sign Aaron Judge? Just kidding. No, I knew the Judge would go back to the Yankees. Come on now. Wow. So for five minutes yesterday, do you think you were wrong? No. When John John Heyman reported he was going to the Giants, and when John Heyman reports something, it's normally like a fact. But he like up. you said, I trust my brain. He over up. other brains. 
Well, did you hear how it ended up being that he went back to the Yankees? Mm-mm. He was going to the Giants. And then the Dodgers came in with a competitive offer, and that drove up the Yankees' price, and he took the Yankees' driven up price that the Padres caused. What was the original Yankees' price? The original Yankees' price was eight years for $340 million, I want to say. And so you got an extra $20 million out of it in an extra he, year. Yeah, and the Padres came out came in with the extra year at $420 million. He turned that down. He just doesn't want to go to San Diego. He doesn't Think want about to go it. To Josh San Bell Diego. left. Yeah. And I mean, Juan, Juan Soto's probably going to leave too. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go to San Diego either, I don't think. If say, if Soto signed long-term and they had Soto, Machado, and, and Bell. Jr. And if Bell. They had Bell. Yeah, then, yeah I mean, that's a different story. They have a really good team. It, it, for a pure baseball point of view, let's take cities out of it. I would say San Diego's like up there, but mm-hmm. and people who go to San Diego say it's the best city in the country. It's got the perfect weather year round. It's not hot. It's not cold. It's hot, but it's like a different kind of hot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you go to Vegas and it's 105 degrees, it's a different 105 than it would be here. Yeah. Here it's like a miserable 105. It's like a humid 105 there. It's like a dry heat out in the West coast. Yeah. You still so. sweat. Yeah, you still sweat, but you don't get sticky. You don't get that sticky sensation from the heat. Like when you're sweating here and you get in the car and you're like, your shirt's sticking to your your stomach and stuff like that. You don't get that really because it's all all dry. It's a dry heat. Interesting. I've never experienced that. I've never gone farther west than – I want to say the farthest west I've ever been was St. Louis, I want to say. So I've been pretty far east. I'm I'm making my far. I'm going east most in my life this weekend. Pittsburgh is my east most point up to this point. What about south? How how far south? My southernmost point is Atlanta, Georgia. No, no, no. I'm wrong. I'm way wrong. I've been to Miami. I've been to Florida, but that was when my sister played softball, and she did a travel tournament. I don't even remember it, but I've been there. What part it was? I don't. Mine was, we went to a cruise, which the cruise is my southernmost point, like St. Thomas, the Bahamas, all that kind of yeah. stuff. That's my, but my southernmost point in the United States is Miami, which is, I think, the southernmost point in the United States. I think the tail of Florida goes below Texas, but it could be wrong. I could be wrong. The bottom of Texas could be farther south on the, uh, what's it called? I'm not really that good with geography, to be on honest. The line of, on the line of latitude, I'm pretty sure Florida. I don't know if the bottom of Texas or the bottom of Florida is farther south, but I don't know. That's my. I've been to Louisiana, but that's not farther south than Florida. No, but it's probably your south. There's a good chance. It depends what part of Florida you went to. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. If you were on the peninsula part, you were probably farther south at that point. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But I, I couldn't tell you. That's geography with Vinny and Frank. And speaking of geography, this next topic has nothing to do with it, as we will talk hockey. A little bit. In period number one. Welcome to period one. Frank, we have something big we got to discuss here. For the first time this season, we had the Battle of Bar Down talking hockey happen in the NHL. 
as the New Jersey Devils took on the Chicago Blackhawks at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting game. One team is rebuilding. One team is just coming out of a rebuild. I ask you, Frank, what did you see from the game? Well, I didn't see any goals from the Blackhawks, that's for sure. The last time the Blackhawks were shut out by the Devils happened in 1999 when Martin Brodeur did it by a score of 4 to nothing. It was just pitiful. You know, what I saw was a lack of urgency out there. Nobody wanted it. Nobody was moving at a good pace. Didn't seem like anybody wanted to skate or shoot or just, it was just miserable. I didn't see much of anything. I saw Lucas Reichel come up from Rockford and now he's sent back down today, back to the AHL. He actually was on a left wing spot, which was interesting because he's played most of his career at the center position. But um, it was good to see him, you know, play. I mean, he, he was a bright spot for sure. Um, you know, he's, he didn't do much, but I didn't expect him to do much. But I like his speed. I like his silkiness, the way he flows out there on the ice. So I'm excited for the future and Lucas Reichel in that aspect. But the Hawks can't score. That's the second game they've been shut out three to nothing back to back. Got shut out to the Islanders three nothing. Got shut out to the Devils three to nothing. And they come in averaging two point five goals per game, which is second worst in the league. It's kind of funny that there's a team worse than the Hawks. I, I mean, I'd hate to be them because watching the Hawks, they can't score. I can't imagine who's last. But it, it's just you can't score. And early on in the season, when the when the Blackhawks season first started, they were able to put the pucks in the net and they were getting gold goals and goaltending. And right now, I mean. They're not getting that. They're not able to put the puck in the net. And Taves was out yesterday with an illness, and that was part of the reason why Reichel came back up and now is being sent down. But, you know, something something that I liked that I saw was, like, some of the young guns excelled. Ian Mitchell and Philip Roos each played more than 17 minutes in the game. That's something that, that's going to happen with this team. And when you got all these young guys on the team, it's good to see guys like that get some extra ice time not necessarily going to score or win the game, but it's good to see them progress their time in the NHL and, you know, kind of develop a little bit at the NHL level. But, you know, what's really pissing me off the most is Seth Jones has, has been dog meat since his return. He was out there for two goals against yesterday. He's not doing his job, and that's no excuse. I don't care how bad a team is. You could still play defense no matter if you're – you could have a whole team of high schoolers out there and put Seth Jones out there, and he could still play defense. So I'm not liking what I'm seeing from Seth Jones. The Hawks can't score. It's been miserable. They've lost eight of their last nine games. That's what I saw, VP. They are who we thought they were. Damn it. They are who we thought they were. And that's fine. No, that is fine. I thought Patrick Kane was going to have a goal. He was on fire last night. Six shots on goal created with Max Domi a little bit, especially in the last five minutes of the first period. I really thought they were going to get it tied at one. I wasn't ever really worried that the Devils weren't going to win the game, but I did think the Blackhawks were going to get one from the Kane line. He ended up having five shots on goal. That's a credit to Vitek Vanacek. I thought he played really well in net. Mm-hmm. The Devils did a good job in the second and third period of eliminating second chances. Anytime Vitek Vanacek made a save, everybody else was there to help him on rebounds and stuff. And I felt the same way about Arvid Soderblom, to be honest with you. I thought Arvid Soderblom was amazing yesterday. You know, the Devils had plenty of grade A chances that the initial shot didn't go in the net because Arvid Soderblom made the save. And then guys like Roos and Mitchell were there to back him up. I thought defensively. The Blackhawks, for the most part, were really, really good because Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer were buzzing. 
mm-hmm. especially Hughes yesterday. Oh, they yeah. were buzzing. And the fact that, I mean, Hughes had two assists, two amazing passes, especially the very first one where he deked through four defenders. I mean, he looked, I wrote an article. It's going to be published on Pucks and Pitchforks in a couple minutes uh, about how he looked like McDavid on that play. He really looked like McDavid on that play. We've seen the plays where McDavid dekes through four guys. Now, listen, what separates McDavid is he does all that at top speed. Jack Hughes wasn't doing that at top speed. He was just kind of, you know, he was fat. He's fast. He's very fast. But McDavid will get through them all at uh, speed unlike anybody else. But he on that one particular play, he looked like McDavid. And he found Dougie Hamilton, who made it a one nothing lead for the New Jersey Devils. And the, the pass to Pratt on the power play was sensational. And then Nico Heischer's goal. I thought Heischer was going to score on that breakaway he had. Well, he made up for it later by getting that goal. The three of them were outstanding offensively, Brad Heischer and Hughes. But Soderblom made it where Heischer and Brad only had one goal. Hughes could have had six points. I mean, they were dancing all over the place. And I commend Soderblom. He's a young – or Soderblom. I think we're calling him Arvid Soderblom well, now. I was going to ask you that. Chris Vosters and Kaylee Chelios constantly call him and um, – Scott That's Darling up. did too. Oh. They say Arvid Soderbloom. Soderbloom. I say Soderbloom. They've been saying Soderbloom. I guess I'll, I'll say Soderbloom because that's what that's what I've been hearing on the TV. Yeah, I'll go Soderbloom too. They I always said Soderbloom. So have I. Soderbloom. That's just how it's spelled, but English is stupid and it's obviously not an English last name. So, yeah, Arvid Soderbloom. Soder, <laughs> it's it's a little bit, you know. Solder bloom, solder bloom. It sounds like a Pokemon. Like I'm going to, <laughs> hey, I'm going to catch this solder bloom. Yeah, and he'll ele- elevate himself into a crypto bloom or something like that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he was actually really good. I do think he has a chance to be the goalie of the future, at least one of the goalies of the future. If if Mrazek or Stalock would have been in net. And Jack Hughes and Heesher and Brat were buzzing the way that they were yesterday. Even Dougie Hamilton, he had three points. That game would have been six, seven, seven goals for the Devils. I do truly believe that. I, um, I agree. It was a great game for him. I think he's got a very bright future. He played well against the Islanders, too, the night before, or two nights before. They were outshot 41 to 20, or 40 to 21 against yeah. the New York Islanders. And Soderbloom made every save except three. And giving up three goals, his goals against average is three, but his save percentage was well over 9-10. Like, th- this guy's been great. He's given up six goals in the last two games, but he's faced 70 shots in those uh, two games. So it's like, of course he's going to give up some goals. Henrik Lundqvist in his prime would give up six goals in two games if he faced 70 shots, unless he had, like, one of those crazy games, which every goal he's capable of having every now and then. But – once the Devils got that second goal, I think it kind of took the wind out of the Blackhawks' sails in terms of, like, their offensive production. Their bottom six is so bad. I mean, it's as bad as any team in the league, and I do think they're going to finish dead last. I really do. Anaheim, at least Anaheim's exciting. They have reasons to want to be playing. They're not trading any of their top guns. If the Blackhawks trade, Taves and Kane. Anaheim beat Carolina yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And Zegris is fun to watch. They're out there having fun. They're developing. They're about a year or two ahead of the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks will get there. Anything I say about the Blackhawks right now is not my opinion of them three years from now. Right now, they suck. And Patrick, people are ripping on Patrick Kane for like the amount of points he has. First of all, Vitek Vanacek robbed him of like three grade A chances yesterday. He's looking amazing out there trying to do everything by himself. 
listen, a majority of his ice time is spent with Max Domi, who, who's had a pretty good start to the season. But for the most part, he's not a player that should be on a line with Patrick Kane regularly. And he's got Jack Johnson and Tenorti on the ice with him defense. Like, he's not making plays that Patrick Kane is normally able to make with better caliber players around him. People are going to wonder – the same people who are ripping on Patrick Kane right now for the way that he's producing are going to be the same people next year wondering how he has 30 points in 20 games with the avalanche or something like you'll see exactly how the two changes and how the ability changes once he's out of this situation. It's not good for the Blackhawks right now, but I saw a video of Connor Bedard again yesterday. <laughs> he was dangling through a couple defenders in the O playing for the Regina Pats, or I think it's the W. I can't remember what part of Canada Regina's in. But it was, like, unbelievable what this kid is able to do. The Blackhawks are going to have the draft lottery. We'll talk about Fantilli in a moment. I went to see Michigan, so he'll have a chance at him. It's all going to be worth it in the end, in my opinion, because they're going to get a really good player, this Carlson kid, even if the Hawks end up with the fourth overall pick. I mean, they're going to get a good player no matter how things shake out with the draft but because the lottery changes everything. But – I just I was impressed with what I saw from a couple of the Blackhawks defenders and Arvid Soderblom, Soderblom, Soderbloom, Soderbloomy, that guy. Um, I thought it was great, but the Devils are a wagon. They like if they played like that, if they keep playing like that against everyone, you know, the games are going to get tight tighter as the season goes along, and you know, more teams have the ability to put the puck in the net with a little more ease. Vitek Vanacek was amazing, but, you know, you, they play the Islanders on Friday, the Rangers on Monday. It It's going to get more difficult to win at an 800 clip, but at the same time, when you play teams like the Blackhawks and you're the Devils, and you really make it not close – that's the sign of a good team because then when you play against the good teams, you will have close games, but you have the ability to pull out a win more often than not. And, you know, Soderbloom, Soderbloom, you know, he's kept Hawks in games, right? Like, obviously, the Blackhawks didn't want to have him up here right now and play 12 games this season as much as he has. But the injuries to Stalock, Mrazek, which were kind of expected because neither one can really stay healthy in their career – has forced the Blackhawks' hand to bring him up, but they kind of want him to go back down to Rockford and develop a little bit more. And I don't blame with them because right now there's no structure or goal support in front of him. So what does that do to him and his mind and like what he's thinking? Because everybody's ripping on him, and I could attest that I was one of those guys ripping on him, but I've seen that what he's been able to do. And, you know, the Devils had like eight, nine, or ten high danger opportunities to score, and he, he robbed some of the players on the Devils from putting the puck in the net and still only held them to three goals. So it's great. Right now there's no goals uh, support for him or structure in front of him. So, But, you know, the, the future is very bright with him, I think, and we'll see where he goes. There was a play you might remember very early in the game. I want to say it was the very first shift of the game where Dougie Hamilton was in alone and Hughes fed him and Soderblom robbed him. It was about to be one nothing. Yep. 50 seconds into the game and that set the tone for the rest of the game again i brought up that game against the islanders and compared it to the one against the devils when parisi made it two nothing against the islanders they were still kind of in it even though they were being outshot to hell and then yesterday when who was it that made it two nothing which goal made it two nothing it went hamilton and then he sure when he sure made it two nothing i would still say the blackhawks were 
in the game. And then the Brat power play goal put it away for them. And then I want to say, who was it? Was it Lee that scored the third goal for the Islanders in the game? It was either Lee or Bailey. One of them's coming to mind. I could be wrong, though. But whenever they got oh, their third okay. goal, whenever you get down three in the third, then it's like, okay, really? We're going to have to triple our goal output from the entire game in order to even tie it. Like, that's just not something that often happens. But, you know, I've talked a lot about the Blackhawks here in this segment. What have you seen from the Devils now that you find – I don't know if that's the first time you watched a Devils game from beginning to end, but uh, we've talked about them a lot on this podcast this season, more than any other season, I would say. I like the way the Devils click on offense, the, the way they pass, the way they move, the way they get everybody involved. This is a very balanced team, kind of. There's another team we're going to talk about who I think is the most balanced team in the league. Um, but the Devils are very balanced as well, and I like the way that they pass. And I think Jesper Brett is a huge advocate for passing and setting up plays and why I mentioned that he's the glue that keeps everything together. But it's just their chemistry that they have on the ice. It almost feels like a video game, like I'm creating a hut team and I got to get all the synergies together and which players go where. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here is like they have they have great chemistry. They move great out there. I love what I see from Vanacek. I mean, everything has gone right with them, and they're proving that they're the real deal here. Do you buy Heesher, Hughes, and Bratt as a th- top three forward group that can win a Stanley Cup? I do, but not this year. That's fair. I mean, to me, Heesher is like that two-way centerman that is point per game. I mean, I think of Bergeron. Is he going to go to the Hall of Fame and be one of the best ever like Bergeron? I mean, I don't know. Probably not. But, like, he doesn't have to. If he's 90% as good as Bergeron, he will go to the Hall of Fame. And, you and know, then... it's it's hard to – you hear those names. Heeshear, Brat, Hughes, and just from a regular hockey fan perspective, you think, well, they don't have that name to win a Stanley Cup. But that's because these guys are newer and, you know, they're still – getting their feet wet in the NHL. But I think they are those guys. They're just haven't been known yet because of the devil's success in past years hasn't been there, but they they're making a name for them now or in maybe two or three years, they will be those names that people say, yeah, they do have a brat. They do have a Hughes that could win a Stanley cup. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hughes is on pace for 97 points. He has 31 points in 26 games. And I honestly think he's going to blow past hundred if he's healthy only because in the first five games, he was, you know, getting his feet under him in the season. And it wasn't as easy for him as it was in the preseason. And he had to adjust a little bit because he scored in every single game in the preseason. It was honestly weird. And then in the regular season starts, he struggled a little bit. Well, that goes to show that preseason is just a tad bit different. But he finally started getting his feet under him. He now has 28 points in his last 20 games, which is 114-point pace if you were to keep it over an 82-game stretch. So I do believe he'll end around the 100-105 mark. If the season goes along, that'll put him right there in the top 10 of NHL scoring. Uh, He's 15th right now, but there's like a log jam. He's 15th in the NHL with 31 points, but Crosby is fifth with 35 points. So if he has a four-point game in his next game, he'll go from being 15th in the NHL to fifth in the NHL. Like There's a log jam there right now. So he's amongst the best players in the NHL. He, He sure has 26 points in 24 games played. I mean... He'll be 85, 90 points, Selkie Trophy candidate. Brad will be probably somewhere in between the two winger that is able to support both of them, especially on the power play. 
and Dougie Hamilton will probably be a 60-point defenseman again. Like, I mean, it's just all unreal how everything's clicking for them. And I don't know how long they could keep winning at an 800 clip, but I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. You know, while we're talking about them, to start December, and I know they've only played three games in December, and the month is very, very young still, The at least one of Hughes, Brat, or Heeshear has contributed on six out of their nine goals. 66% of their goals have been contributed by either Hughes, Heeshear, or Brat to start December, which just shows you how crucial these guys are as like a three-headed beast. And like you said, Hughes on pace for 90 something points. I think he very well could hit a hundred. I mean, he'd have to stay on this pace, which is very hard to do for 82 games. He hasn't missed a game yet this season, but he is capable of a hundred points. He has that hundred point ceiling. Will he get there this year? There's a chance. Whereas Nico, he's you know, he's point per game right now. I do think that's going to falter a little bit. I don't know if he's going to finish with 82 points, but he might very well. Um, I do think that it's going to be a career year for him, but I don't know if he'll stay point per game through the season. And then you look at Jesper Brett, who is also just having great year, 10 goals, 18 assists. This is definitely going to be a career uh, year for him as well. That That's a given unless he got like really badly injured or something. He's going to have a career year no matter what, even if he slows down a little bit in his pace. But like I said, he holds this team together. I truly believe that without Jesper Brett, I don't know if they would have went on a 13-game win streak, to be honest with you. So it's good to see this three-headed beast doing well for the Devils. We'll see how if they can continue the streak they're on. Hopefully, for your sake, they do. You'll be seeing two of their games coming up. So we'll see what, what goes on. But um, this may be the year we see Hughes get 100 points. You never know. I got Jack at 101. I got Heesher at 90. And I have Brat at 87. Wow. You got them all point per game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like what I've seen. Like, I don't see it. I don't see it stopping like fully. They might go two or three games without a point. Like, that happens. McDavid has that happen every now and then. But, like, he'll come back and get six in one game. And then it'll be like he had a point in every one of those games that he missed. But, you know, and Hughes, Brad, he sure. I don't know if they're like that. But, you know, I do think they keep up a point per game pace or at least close to it just based on what I've seen this year. You brought up 60, 60% of the goals they've contributed on in the month of December. I think if you're stars, I bet if you look back at every Stanley Cup winner, the stars contribute to about 60% of the goals, and then you rely on your depth for the other mm-hmm. 40. I think that's very balanced. It if, is. If your I stars said very start, balanced. If you, if, yeah, if your stars start dipping below 50% of all goal production, or if your depth is – and that was a problem I had with the Bruins last year. The Bruins relied a little too much on the perfection line. Well, Hall's playing better this year. They added Krejci back. Coyle and DeBrusque are having good years again. All of a sudden, the Bruins are right back near the top of the NHL standings. There's no denying that, like, of course, Bergeron, Marshan, and Pasternak are important to their success, but they can't be they can't be 80% of their goals. It has to be closer to 60-40, and that's what the Devils are getting with, with their stars. Bruins are getting it with theirs. I think it's a lot of fun um to watch but we'll see what happens nico if the season were 10 today would win the selkie trophy i do believe that top 15 in face off all the defensive metrics are right there in his favor and he's point per game we'll see if he can hold that point per game yeah 
I'm hoping because they're 18-0-1 in games where he records a point. It's not surprising. Not surprising one bit. Frank, over the last weekend, I went to see a game at the Kohl Center in Madison, Wisconsin, where the Michigan Wolverines took on the Wisconsin Badgers. And it was really, really cool. It was Suter Family Night, which is really, really cool if you know anything about me. In the last decade, one of my favorite defensemen in the league was Ryan Suter, who now plays for the Dallas Stars. I mostly loved him while he was with the Minnesota Wild. He signed an identical contract with Zach Parisi on the same day with the Minnesota Wild. So the two of them were kind of like just my two favorite players in the league for a long time. Um, But I got to see some really cool things. Luke Hughes, Seamus Casey playing for the Michigan Wolverines and Adam Fantilli. Oh, of course, Hughes and Casey are devil's draft picks for those who don't know. And then Fantilli, he's going to be the second overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft. Frank, I'll tell you what, this Michigan team is fun to watch. And those three players that I named were dynamite. Didn't they lose 6-3, to three, though? They did lose 6-3. to three, And then the next right here. The They next won 4-2 to two the night, next night. Isn't that crazy? But, but right here, what did I ask Drew Van Dries? I said, is this going to be a letdown game for Michigan that they're looking it over on the schedule? Every team does it. I don't care what sport it is. Big brain bean right here. Nailed it on the head. And he's like, no, I don't think it's going to be a letdown game. I'm like, all right. They got their shit together the next night and won four to two. But in that six to three loss, Luke Hughes, Fantilli, and no, I don't think Seamus Casey might have gotten a point. Oh, he in, got a point. Yeah. In the 6-3 loss, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fantilli, all three Fantilli of them. scored a goal by, assisted by the Devils. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> all three of them got at least a point. Fantilli and Hughes each got a goal, but they lost 6-3. to three. That had to be fun for you to watch. But, yeah, Seamus Casey, that freshman D, he's been pretty spectacular to start the season for Michigan. Absolutely. And last year, Luke Hughes was all about offense, right? He wanted to be flashy, show everyone that he was drafted fourth overall for a reason. This year, he's focusing. He's like, you could tell while watching, there's a clear extra focus on being more of a two-way guy because that's what he was drafted to be. That's how he got to be a fourth overall pick. He's not his brother, Quinn. He never was his brother, Quinn. But because when you're in college, if you're so much better than everybody else, you can basically do what you want. Now he's working on taking his game to a different level in a different way. And it's just so uh, he'll stay back on more plays, but he does join the rush every now and again. He's smart about it though. And on one of them, he took a one T clap and it went in for the goal. It was really cool. If where Seamus is the, he's where Hughes was last year, the freshly drafted kid, just trying to go out there and make everything happen a million miles a minute. And he's quite good at it. And so next year I expect Seamus Luke Hughes will be done with Michigan. Sheamus will probably elevate into his spot of trying to like mold into becoming a little bit more well-rounded defensively as well as contributing offensively. But it's going to be interesting to see what comes of him. Um, It was interesting because Hughes scored the goal and it was Friday. And I'm like, I'm seeing the New Jersey devils next Friday. So if Jack Hughes scores, I'll have gone two Fridays in a row, seeing a Hughes brother score a goal in person. Um, I think that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. I, I should probably look. What are the odds the Blackhawks play the Canucks the following Friday? So you could see Quinn Hughes. So you could see a Hughes a Friday. I doubt it. Wouldn't that be funny, though? You could check. But, yeah, I mean, you got to be thrilled about Adam Fantilli, the fact that he might be able to come play for the Blackhawks someday. 
Well, you'd figure that the Hawks are going to get Bedard or Fantilli, right? If they finish last, unless they get really unlucky. Like you'd you'd assume you're an odds guy, right? Like they gotta get they gotta get one of the two. I would think so. I hope so. I I wouldn't be and listen, this is gonna be a not popular take for Blackhawks fans who don't want them to suck forever before being good again. But I am of the opinion it's it's gonna be a while before they're good again. I mean, I, what I'm seeing right now is if they they have some nice prospects, but you have to fill out a whole ass team in order to become a Stanley Cup contender. That's gonna take a long time. And so if you're third overall, let's say it goes Ducks, Blue Jackets, Blackhawks, Flyers. If you're third overall and Bedard goes one to the Ducks and Fantilli goes two to the Blue Jackets, I would take Mitchkov. I know he's not going to be here till 2025, but who cares? The Canucks waited for Pud Colson. Now he's in the league. Look how fast that went. You know, and they were dog meat while he was finishing out his KHL contract. Let me tell you what. The Blackhawks are going to be dog meat while Mitchkov is finishing his contract. Kyle Davidson said five years for – he didn't say five years so they could go out and do two. They're not They're not going to BS this like the Rangers did. The Rangers put out that note. We're going to rebuild. You're going to see some fun, some names that you come to love be sent out of town. And, of course, Henrik Lundqvist retired while well, he signed with the Capitals but didn't play a game because of his heart condition. And then they traded McDonough to the Lightning and Miller to the Lightning. And, you know, Zuccarello ended up with the Stars. And then he went to the Wild. Like, all those great Rangers. Uh, Brad Richards ended up with the Blackhawks for a season. The Rangers rebuilt and they didn't do it the right way. They went out, they got so lucky and got the second overall pick in 2019. They drafted Capo Caco. They got even luckier that they were one of the teams bounced in the bubble, the COVID bubble. And because all the teams that got bounced in that play in round were eligible for the lottery, they won Lafreniere. Okay, now they're trying to accelerate this rebuild. They trade for Jay. You're re. You're let me get this straight. You're rebuilding. You're the New York Rangers. You just got rid of McDonough, J.T. Miller, all these guys who can help you win a Stanley Cup. J.T. Miller and McDonough did go win a Stanley Cup, I believe. Or I don't know if Miller was on a winning a cup winning Lightning team. I don't think he, he was. Either way, he's been successful. Ninety something points this year. Got a boatload of assists this year. Good player. Great player. You claim you're rebuilding. And you get these two awesome draft picks, and you trade for Jacob Truba and give him eight mil for nine years. <laughs> you sign Artemi Panarin for eight years at eleven mil. You don't trade Chris Kreider when you could have gotten a first round pick and a high grade prospect for him. You trade Derek Broussard for Zabanajad. That was a good move. I actually think getting Zabanajad was a good move for them. It's probably one of the best trades in the NHL in the last. I don't know, 15 years, but Zabanajad was young enough where you can like rebuild around him. Mm-hmm. But no, you go sign all these guys. Now you're you're looking at the clock. It's December 7th. They're out of a playoff spot. They're very average. If Shesterkin doesn't make 50 saves, they can't win. They they've been good at developing defensemen and goaltenders. Shesterkin, Fox, Keandre Miller, all great young players. They can't develop young forwards. And their great forwards are all 30 or older, and they're not getting any younger anytime soon. You don't 
want that to be the Blackhawks. You want them to do it the right way. You want them to be the Devils. If you want the Blackhawks to be the Devils, you got to sit through some shit. I've sat through some shit. They were horrible. Horrible. For all these years. And Schneider kept them from getting McDavid because they won a couple more games than they should have, even though they sucked. But they ended up with Hughes. They ended up with Heischer. Got lucky with Brad. You got to get lucky somewhere. Someone's going to have to be lucky. They're going to have to find someone who's sick and a leader. That always happens. And I believe they will. Kyle Davidson's a good GM. He's got good scouts. I just believe in the Davidson plan. And if you're third overall, I would take Mitchkov. I don't care about the weight. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just figured that's kind of what's going to happen. I didn't think that it was even up for discussion. Yeah, there are people out there, though, Frank. They're out there that re-sign Patrick Kane, give him six years at six mil. Why? Like, there's no point. He can't help you. I, I, I get the sentimentalness. I do. I really, really do. It's tough. It's I tough. wanted the White Sox to keep Paul Canerco forever. They actually kept him three years too long. Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu could have helped them way sooner than 2014. But It's something easier said than done. Absolutely. I completely agree. But pretty cool that the one night I went to Wisconsin, though, it happened to be Suter Family Night. That, that's yeah, pretty cool. Huh? that is pretty cool. I got you a present. It's nothing too, like prestigious but as long as it didn't get destroyed in the car it was something that was like a giveaway that i think <laughs> as long as i have one for I got you your present as long as it didn't get destroyed I, well i grabbed one for you me and joey <laughs> but it, it was a cool little picture that they were giving away and i think, right. I think it'll be exciting if well i mean if yours is ruined mine is too so <laughs> it, it's been a long road back to wisconsin because we had to get in the car after that game and drive two hours home because we were leaving Christmas Mountain, and Madison is about an hour from Christmas Mountain, two hours from home. And so it was a day. It was a day. But I'll tell you what, Wisconsin's rink is awesome. I don't know if you saw any of my pictures. They have rink or jerseys, Adidas version, so they're all new, of a bunch of NHL players that were Wisconsin alumni. And there are some oh. names up there that are like, holy shnikes, like Chelios. What? And so that was really cool to see Justin Schultz, obviously Bruce Driver. Um, there, there was a couple big ones. Cole Call, Cole Caulfield. I'll tell you what, Cole Caulfield is a legend at Wisconsin. I believe an absolute it. legend. And all of a sudden, Wisconsin scores a goal, and this mug pops up on the screen when they're announcing the goal. Um, it was his brother. Really. And his brother's older than him, undrafted, will try, probably try to sign a pro contract after Wisconsin's done this year for next year. But he's like 23. He's going to, he's a good player. He's got like nine goals. Um, he's not Cole, but it was just so funny. They literally look like twins. <laughs> oh, Adam Burrish, Derek Stepan, Trent Frederick. Wow. Um, Gary Suter, Jake McCabe. Yeah, Ryan McDonough. Um, a lot of Wisconsin alumni. Yeah, and then, of course, Ryan Suter. I'm trying to, like, who's the best? It's probably Chelios. I yeah. Mean, Chel Chelios is, like, 
you know, he won the Norris Trophy, um, but drafted by Montreal, played there for like six years, played with the Hawks for a long time, then went to Detroit, won more cups. Um, I would probably say it's Chelios, but Derek Stepan, good player for a long time. McDonough. Uh, McDonough, great player for a long time, I would say. Um, obviously, Gary Suter was incredible. So was, and they have, Gary Suter played for the Flames, the Blackhawks, and the Sharks. They have Gary's in a Blackhawks. Bob um, Suter played too. Bob Suter, yep. And then, of course, the Miracle team. They have him in his Miracle jersey on this picture. Really? Yeah. So really, really cool stuff. If you have a chance to follow college hockey, it's really, really fun. You'll see a lot of NHL flavor around there, as we discussed on last week's episode. If you missed last week's episode with Drew Van Dries, make sure you go back and give it a listen. It was an outstanding college hockey conversation. Frank, that about wraps up the Vinny and Frank period. I believe we have some other NHL news and notes to go over in period number two. Welcome to period two of Bar Down Talking Hockey, presented by the Barroom Network. Frank, the NHL is starting to heat up. It's no longer early in the season. Would you agree? No, we're more. Than, we're almost halfway. Not almost halfway. That's a little dramatic. We're, about a we're third. Yeah. If the NHL season was a hockey game, the first period would be over. Yep. Um, last year going into the draft, we had a lot of debate over who was going to go first, who was going to go second, third. I think first through fourth were kind of like a log jam. We knew in some particular order that Uri Slavkovsky, Simone Nemich, Shane Wright, and Logan Cooley would be the top four. I think that was pretty unanimous. Mm-hmm. We agreed on that. We didn't necessarily f- fully agree on how it was going to go. But I think at the end of the day, you and I both believed that the Montreal Canadiens were going to draft Shane Wright with the first overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And that would leave either Simone Nemich or Uri Slavkovsky for the New Jersey Devils at second overall. I'm of the opinion that the Devils were taking Nemich no matter what because they don't need a top flight forward anymore. If there's a tiebreaker, the tie goes to the defenseman. But everyone and their mother believed that at one, the Montreal Canadiens should have taken Shane Wright with the first overall pick. They didn't. New Jersey didn't wave off their plan, so they didn't. And then the Arizona Coyotes went way off the wall and took the Minnesota Gopher, Logan Cooley, which left Shane Wright at fourth overall for the Seattle Kraken. Well, Shane Wright comes into this season. Training camp and preseason doesn't necessarily go his way. Neither does the start to the year. He's getting about six minutes a game from head coach Dave Axtall. He goes down to the AHL. In the AHL, he plays in five games or four games and, or three games and scores four goals, something like that. He had one more goal than games played, and he had an assist or two to chip in. He was outstanding playing in the uh, AHL t- uh, earlier last week and the week before, I want to say the stint was. Well, they called him back up yesterday to take on the team that passed on him with the number one overall pick, the Montreal Canadiens. And... He scored a goal. His first career NHL goal came against the team that passed on him. It took a little while longer than he would have liked. But, Frank, we've had a lot of Shane Wright conversation on this podcast. What do you make of his recent stretch of hockey? His recent stretch? It's about damn time he gets on the board. I'll say it. I don't want any excuses. Score a damn goal. You've played, what, 10 games? Seven games? Whatever it is? I don't care. You're supposed to go. In many people's eyes, number one. And you finally got the tally. 
takes time for guys like this to develop. You know, maybe in a couple of years, Shane writes his hundred point player. I don't know. I'm not expecting him to be a, a McDavid and getting a hundred points his rookie season, but it's about damn time. He scored a goal kind of poetic. He did it against the Montreal Canadians. I think that's hilarious. Still not buying necessarily what him and the Kraken are selling as a whole. Um, I still think he's got a lot of developing to do. Send him back down to the AHL. Let him get some more time. Let him score another four goals in three games. Get his boost his confidence up. Bring him up next year at the start of the season. Because I'm still not buying with the Kraken selling. The Kraken are sit six points into a playoff spot right now. They're playing fantastic. They're only one of, I think, two teams to have one regulation loss on the road. The other being the New Jersey Devils. They're 8-1-1 one, and one on the road this year in total. They've lost their last two games. I'm not buying what they're selling. Not at all. Not not um, Shane Wright. Not the Kraken as a whole. There's no reason to have him up right now if he's excelling in the AHL. Really hasn't done anything at the NHL. Let him go develop. They got that great road record, the Kraken. 8-1-1, one, and one, like I said. They start a four-game road trip that's going to be a massive test and ultimately where I think they're going to falter. They play, they're on the road against Washington, Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina. I don't think this Kraken team is for real. Shane Wright needs a little bit more time, but I guess it's good to see him finally score a goal, boost his confidence a little bit. He is ineligible to play in the AHL. He can only play in the OHL or the NHL, and if they were to send him to the OHL, that would be it for the rest of the season. They should. And they already burned his contract, so that's not going to happen. They should. Um, I don't disagree necessarily, um, but I do think things are changing. He is. I was watching some practice video, and he looks immaculate in practice. The confidence is back. He looks ready to go. Scored a goal in the NHL in his first game back. He's only able to play in the AHL if he gets a health bomb in five straight games. That's the only way a player of with his status. It's like a weird rule about NHL or OHL until you're 20 or something. Like it's I don't know the exact verbiage, but I do know he is AHL ineligible. Except he got to play there this year after the five straight health bombs. Mm-hmm. But I do I would let him play going forward if they're going to have him on the NHL roster. Of course, I'm saying um, I am buying the Kraken now. I have changed my tune. They. Lost a tough one yesterday. I, I do think Montreal's a little better than advertised. I don't think they're good by any means, but the Kraken put up a good fight at the end of the game. Um, I'm trying to find his ice. Hold on. I'll find his right ice. He had 11 minutes. Okay, so that's a lot more than some other players, like Morgan Geeky at 8, Sprong had 7, um, he, Tanev had 11. So he's right there with, like, the third line. He's mm-hmm. going to play with – Better players as the games go on. Matty Beniers is incredible. I think he's going to be the Calder Trophy winner. Um, but I'm looking at the standings. They're 15, 7, and 3. And the Pacific Division sucks. It is awful. And I think they're a product of their division. They're going to play a majority of their games against Anaheim, San Jose, Vancouver, Calgary. Well, Calgary's pretty good. But the Kings and Edmonton haven't been as good as we thought they'd be. They'll probably still make playoffs, but they haven't been as good as we thought they'd be so far. And then Vegas is world's better than everybody else. Their world's better than everybody else, but they still only have six more points than the Kraken with two more games played. So, and the Kraken and the Golden Knights are the only two teams. It's so funny seeing two teams that didn't exist six years ago 
at the top of this division. Um, the Kraken and the Golden Knights are the only two teams in the division, the Pacific, with a positive goal differential. Um, everybody else is either red or black, and black is you're at zero, and that's Calgary. But I'm looking at some of the other teams in the Western Conference that have a positive goal differential, Winnipeg, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, Vegas, and Seattle. And unless something happens where Maddie Beniers gets hurt or the goaltending starts to fall off, I'm not buying them as like a contender or anything like that, but I am no longer willing to call them a bad team that's playing okay. Like it's December now. And I, I'm not going to make the same mistake that I did with Vegas. And maybe they will fall off and like come short of the playoffs, but I in no way think they're a lottery team anymore. That that team that dude has totally changed. Are they a lock to make the playoffs? No. Let me let me make that clear. No. But I do believe they don't stink. No, I don't think they stink, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Here's why, and here's a big reason why I'm not buying into them. Eight, one and one on the road. That doesn't happen. I don't care if you're Vegas, Bruins, Devils, Colorado. It just doesn't happen. You're getting points on the road in 90% of the games you play. It's not going to happen. It's going to even out quickly. Could happen on this upcoming four-game road trip. But staying that consistent on the road, which shows you they're not the best team when it comes to being playing at home. They get a lot more losses when it comes to playing at home, which is bad. Their, their road success will start to even out now into the second half of the season, and which is why they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm not buying into it. If the road success falls off, you don't think the home success will have positive regression? It might, but then at the end of the day, it evens out. And you're not a playoff team. Yeah. I just I can't. There's I don't no see. way they could continue this success on the road it doesn't happen it does not happen the west sucks it just doesn't happen though okay winning 90 percent, sure but if it falls down to 70 or 60 they might not even fall to 60 percent. they might be a 500 road team by the end of the year i'll go ahead and say that they will be a 500 road team by the end of the year when will you when what what would make you switch if what what would make you switch on Seattle's potential success this year? If they could take five out of eight points on this upcoming road trip, okay. that's doable. Two, one, and one. Yeah, I would say so. If they, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm looking at a one, one, and two, a one and three. Interesting. Who did you say they were against again? Washington, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina. Yeah, that's a good road trip. It's it, this is where your road trip success is going to be tested here. Yeah. So, no doubt about it. I, I'm rooting for them. I think it's a fun story. Oh, I love the Kraken. Yeah, I'm, I think it's a fun story. I think Ben Years is a star. Um, I hope Shane Wright's a star. I like when those top drafted guys become stars. We need stars in the NHL. And if Ben Year's right can be a sick one-two punch for all these years, that'd be sick. And they'll probably start attracting some free agents or make a big trade. Like, I think the sign is pointing up in, um, in Seattle. I legitimately though think the West sucks. Colorado's going to be without McKinnon for a month, which we're going to talk about that in just a second. But that's going to hurt them. They're already without Landis Gog. 
Makar hasn't been quite the same this year for whatever reason. Um, Edmonton is so reliant on McDavid and Drysaddle right now, even more than last year. We're not seeing the same things from the rest of their players that we saw a majority of last year. Nashville's fallen off. Minnesota climbed back in, but they're they're not a threat to Seattle in any way. Like they they don't matter to each other that much. And Minnesota's still five points below the the Kraken. But um, Calgary hasn't looked like themselves. The Kings win games six to five every day. They had that crazy <laughs> game against the Kraken. Yeah, I know. That was not, insane. The Kraken ended up winning. That was awesome game. It was awesome like, what, 9-8, right? Yep, I watched that one at Christmas Mountain. And, man, fun, fun game. I wish more games were like that. The coaches don't. Um, Vancouver sucks. I'm out on the Blues, even though – the the blues keep playing tug of war with my emotions. <laughs> they're they're like the penguins of the west. Right now the penguins have my this the flag on the right side of the line. The blues have it on the wrong side of the line, but in a week could each flip? Yeah, I do think so. So I'm not I don't know about the blues yet, but uh then the sharks, coyotes, blackhawks and ducks are trash. Do you have the eight playoff teams right now in the west? Yeah, right now the eight playoff teams in the West as of right this second are the Winnipeg Jets, Dallas Stars, Minnesota Wild, Vegas Golden Knights, Seattle Kraken, Los Angeles Kings, Edmonton Oilers, and Colorado Avalanche. It's not too far off from my prediction. No, neither of us had Winnipeg. No, but they were our surprise team. Yes, yes, they were. I mean, how could they not? I mean, The I only one I don't from. have, I think, is Nashville. And Seattle, right? Yeah, in Seattle. You probably who's out that I had? Calgary. Yeah, but I do think Calgary's going to jump in there because, I, like I said, I think the Kraken are going to falter. I mean, I'm pretty spot on right now with the Western Conference. I had the yeah. Blues out. I could see the Oilers faltering, and the Kings. I mean, yeah, I don't love. Possible. I don't love those. I mean, I'm not a big goal differential guy. But like, how can how can you be in a playoff spot with a negative goal differential? That just doesn't seem like nobody in the East is like that. And the two top, and there are three non-playoff teams with positive goal differentials: <laughs> the Rangers, the Panthers, and the Sabers. Like, like really? And I told you the Sabers—they're bad record-wise, but they're fun to watch. They score a crap ton of goals, and that's what makes me think they could be good next year. Like, they could be next year's Devils. Um, where they're just like all of a sudden so sick. Like it all clicks. The goaltending, they get a goaltender. Yeah, I'm I'm big on the Sabres in the future. But you said the Edmonton's got a negative goal differential? Yeah, Edmonton and the Kings are the two teams in a playoff so, spot. So what that means is that they're getting blown out in losses, but they're winning like two-to-one games. Yeah, yeah. And that's where yeah. they're getting their wins from, but their goal differential, they're getting slotted in losses. Exactly. Except that one game for the Kings, Kraken. They gave up eight goals and still got a point. But they lost, so that's where they're gold. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, they, yeah, they got a point. Yeah, they lost by one. Mm-hmm. So, but the Kraken are plus 11. The Golden Knights are plus 23. So, I mean, the Kraken have the one, two, three, the, the fifth best goal differential in the Western Conference. Wow, so, not we'll too bad. It. We'll see if they're able to keep it up. We touched on the Colorado Avalanche. Nathan McKinnon out for four weeks with an injury. What do you make of this team? Well, that hurts. 
boy, does that hurt. Especially the way they're playing. They haven't been that Titan that they were last year. That team above an NHL team. You know, McKinnon's their leading uh, point scorer with 34 points. Averages about 25 or so minutes a night, which now those shoes need to be filled. And on top of it, they're dealing with a ton of injuries. Let me go over their injuries with you. Lekkonen's been injured. Nikushkin, Rodriguez, Bowers, Manson, Byram, McDermott, not to mention Landeskog and Helm haven't played this season yet. Also, they're missing four of their top 10 point scores and four of their top 10 goal scores. That is almost half of your point and goal contributions to this team right now. And with a team that's struggling and not that powerhouse that they were last year, that's hard to make up. And now you lose Nathan McKinnon. They're tied with the second wild card spot. It's it's going to be a tough end of the first half of this season for them. I agree. I they're not a lot to make the playoffs anymore. It's tough. You're playing with a lot of injuries. I'd go fifty percent right now. I, yeah, I agree with you. It's this yeah. is rough. You're missing your best player for a month. Imagine if the Bruins were without Marshan. I would hear go all the players I named. Yeah, I would go Marshan Bergeron. And then Carlo, Grizzlick, one of the goalies, and Trent Frederick. Why not Pasta? Why Marshawn Bergeron? Because I I think Rantanen is more like Pasta. But Pasta's our leading point scorer right now. Yeah. Kind of like true. McKinnon. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you could go in any order. It's tough. They, they're, that's a lot of injuries to key pieces that were – key to winning the cup last year do you know how good nikushkin was last year in the playoffs yeah and he's injured dude he's amazing he like he left the stars for russia then came back to colorado and like looked like the seventh overall pick that he was drafted to be and like i don't know colorado's in a tough spot they are in a really really tough spot they got a deep team but when you're when you thin it out this much though when we got one, two, three, four, like eight guys out, and two of yep. them haven't even played this year. Landis guy, he's another key piece to this team, and he hasn't even gotten his feet wet this year with any games played. No, and when he comes back, it's gonna like take a hot minute. Exactly, that's tough. You're in a tough spot. They are in a tough spot, and I believe that they play the Boston Bruins tonight, so that's not gonna get much easier for them there. <laughs> it's um, tough. Kind of a lot of games for a Wednesday. It I is. Say that. There's like seven games. Yeah, a lot of games for a Wednesday. Tomorrow's a pretty light Thursday, but it's a heavy Friday. I think we do that during the holiday season. Could be. Make it a little more weekend friendly, Friday friendly, because everyone's gathering and got to have things to watch. So that's exciting. Um, moving on, speaking of that team that plays the Colorado Avalanche tonight, what are your overall thoughts? It's been a minute since we've talked about the Boston Bruins. What's your take on them right now? Earlier, I said this, we were going to talk about how well the uh, Devils were balanced. I think the Bruins are the most balanced team in the National Hockey League. Pasternak leads the team with 35 points, 17 goals, 18 assists, right? Even with that, nobody else on the team is point per game, which is mind-boggling. Not even Marshawn? Nope. Not even Marshawn. Unless, how many games did Marshawn miss, though? A lot. Oh, well, then, yeah, he probably is. Well, he has to be then. If he yeah. missed a lot, like 10 games or something. 
I would probably guess more. Oh, then, well, here I'll look at it. How many points? I'm not saying like the guys who played five games and have five points. I'm talking about your key guys. Then it's if it is Martian, then it's just Martian and Pasta. That's it. That means everybody on this team is contributing. You go down. You can do it very easily on the NHL app. You can go to the Bruins, filter it by points, and you see guys with 19 points, 18, 18, 17, 17, 16. It is just consistently even down the line, and you're top-weighted with Pasternak, which is fine because that's what you expect from Pasta, but nobody else is point per game who've played a reasonable amount of time. Is Marshan? did you look? Marshan has 21 points in 16 games played. Okay. So he's on he's pace missed for like 10 100 games points. Or whatever. Yeah. He's on right. pace for like 100 points. But yeah. Besides Marshan and Pot, yeah. though, those, it's it's just crazy though. You got the guys that are chipping in. Hall's been great this year. Uh, Linus Almar has been great. He's 14 and 1 with a 193 goals against and a 936 save percentage. That is Vezina numbers right there. They played an absolute battle with the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas giving them their first loss of the year at home. It came in a shootout, so that doesn't matter. I mean, they're still, they got the goose egg in the regular um, regulation loss column, 14-1 at home, 8-1-1 in their last 10. This team has everything clicking right now. Interestingly enough, they're, they have a three-game road trip that you mentioned starts with Colorado and ends with Vegas. That game in the fortress is going to be a battle. It's going to be a must-tune-into game. It's going to be great. And right now, the Bruins got to be a favorite to win the Cup. They have 11 players with double-digit points, which I think is a lot. They also have something something that a lot of teams don't have. They have two guys in the conversation for the Norris Trophy. And I did find another point-per-game player, but he hasn't played a lot, so he won't count. But McAvoy has 13 points in 11 games. Him yeah, see, so that, that don't count. Him and Marchand both started the season um, on the injured list. But the fact that they're back now, and McAvoy's a defenseman. So even being 11 games into the season for him and still being over point per game, I do think is impressive. And then Hampus Lindholm has 19 games in 24 games, or 19 points in 24 games. Wait, that's a lot for a defenseman. That's like a 70 point pace. And both of them would finish top five for the Norris Trophy, I think. Um, by the end of the year, McAvoy probably doesn't have enough games to qualify yet. But by the end of the year, if McAvoy plays in 70 games and, you know, has 65 points and plays as well defensively as he does, him and Hampus Lindholm will be right there. I do think that contributes to the Bruins' success. They have two Dougie Hamiltons, which I think puts them a tick above the Devils in terms of that. Like, I do like John Marino. I think the Devils probably a better defensive defenseman. But having two guys who put up points like Dougie Hamilton does, I think is – sensational for them they obviously have taylor hall and jake debrusque with 17 points the return of david krejci who has 19 points is absolutely unbelievable um and they're getting good depth scoring felino charlie coyle even pavel zaka has been pretty good for them so it it is what it is they have uh, they also have defensive defensemen who don't care at all about scoring brandon carlo has four points grizzlick has six points and the thing about those six grizzlick points he does that on purpose if he wanted to be McAvoy's point production, I believe he could. He's skilled enough to do so. He showed it in college. But when he gets to the NHL, things are different. They're finding ways to put everybody in a position that helps them succeed, and I think the Bruins are one of the legit Stanley Cup contenders at this point. Does Linus Allmark win the Vezina? No. Ooh. Ilya Sorokin will win the Vezina Trophy. Wow. 
New York Islanders. Okay. That's I interesting. Think Salinas, Allmark, I think he could get nominated. I think Vitek Vanacek could get nominated. I think Igor Shesterkin could go on a run, even though the Rangers think his numbers are brilliant. Um, trying to think of who else is going to be in the conversation. What Matt, makes Matt, you think Allmark can't or like I, won't? I just – I love uh, Sorokin. And I think he'll play the most games out of all these guys. I mean, Vitek Vanacek is higher than I realized. And you know who's in the conversation too? Matt Murray. 932 save percentage and 2.34 goals against average. Oh, there's actually another guy in the mix. Ooh, and this guy's won one before. So we, we know voters are on Hellebuck. his side. Connor Hellebuck. All right. Allmark, Vanacek, Hellebuck, Sorokin, Murray. I just named your Vesna Trophy winner. Wow, don't go on a limb. I know, I know. Wow, name Thanks, after Murray, why don't you? Yeah. I, one of those five will win it. But Matt Murray being up there is very impressive. Well, we know what he's capable of. He hasn't yeah, been lately, but... He won two cups when he was exactly. the last time he was on a good team. And Toronto's defense is better this year. They're defending well. They're giving up some goals to play some defense. And uh, that sounded weird. They're giving up taking a lot of ch extra chances to stay back and prevent mm -hmm. be a little bit more preventative. And I think that's helping them win more. They currently are second place in their division. The Bruins have been so sick, and they're still only three points ahead of Toronto. Um, the Leafs are 16-5-6, and six, one of the best teams in the NHL. They're playing playoff caliber hockey. They will win a playoff series this year, especially if they play against Detroit. <laughs> um, yeah, the Bruins, they're really, really good. Uh, another team that's really, really good lately is a team that you declared yourself out on a couple weeks ago, but now oh, I still am. Oh, wow. Well, we're going to disagree heavy there because they have a, one of the best point differentials or goal differentials in the Eastern Conference, the 14-8-4 Pittsburgh Penguins. Frank, you're out on them? Even oh, though yeah. they've been really hot lately? Yeah. No, I mean, no playoffs for the Penguins? No, no. They, well, here, let me, uh, let me give you my synopsis on this whole situation. They've been great, won three in a row, largely due to the reason Rust has been great, six points in three games. Gensel's been great. Those five points in that three-game win streak. Malkin and Crosby, it's been nothing against them. I've, they're just consistent. So I really have nothing to say with them. They score at will, do what they got to do to keep the Penguins into games. That's fine. Kasperi Kapanen, uh, four goals and five points in the last three games. These are guys who weren't contributing. And the reason why the Penguins were slumping so much, but now those guys are contributing. Now, the reason I'm still out on them is because I don't care who they match up with if they made the postseason. They don't match up well against a single team. And the only team they really realistically match up with would probably be the Islanders. However, is it a realistic option and chance that they would play each other in the first round? I would say it's unlikely. I would also say it's unlikely just because like one of the pretty much both of the devils and hurricanes would have to fall off. Exactly. Which is why I'm still out on them. 
Yeah, I would say the Penguins most likely. I mean, part of me is one, like, are the Devils going to win the Metro? They're the favorite, minus 160. I mean, at this point, I mean, they have a, is that an 11 point? No, a nine point lead on the division. No, 43-34. Is that 11 or nine? 43 and 34? Yeah. Nine point lead on the division. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, how they gained ground or how they lost ground, even though they won yesterday. It must have been eight points, and now it's nine instead of ten points. Now it's nine. It was definitely eight, and now it's nine. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, if, if the Devils can hang on and win the division, which they're 21-4-1, and one, I don't even know why I'm slightly worried. I think it's just because this is their first year being good with this core. But if they hang on and win the division, then yeah, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Pittsburgh Islanders, Carolina Islanders, the Rangers will probably try and have a say in this. Kind of out on Washington. It's all about the grade eight at this point. Philly sucks. Um, and Columbus is watching Regina Pats highlights and Michigan highlights. So, By the way, Ovechkin hasn't scored in four of his last five games. Okay. I'm just saying. And the one before he had two. That's fine. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I still feel smart right now. Because how many? Because didn't you say you thought he'd get eight hundred in the month of December? Shaky start, VP. <laughs> He's got to have seven goals this month. Yeah, I don't know. They play the Flyers tonight. It would be a real shame if that bad Flyers team made you look foolish. I actually, I don't know. I think the Flyers are going to win tonight. I think they're going to play might. a good game. The Flyers only beat good teams. When we'll they see. play against ass teams, they get killed. That chase for the breaking Gretzky's record could be in jeopardy. <laughs> Needs 101 goals. He doesn't have to be all that special. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the thing that I'm trying to tell you. He doesn't right. have to be all that special. He could no, go 20, he needs more 20, than 101, right? 101 more goals, friend. He um will Is it go. Really? I thought yeah. it was like a... no. He could go 20, 20, 20, 20, 40, 20, 20, 20, or 40, 20, 20. Uh, 30, 30, 20. I mean, he's he's gonna do it. Um, but yeah, I do think uh, Washington will probably give up a couple playoff years in order for this to have like just whatever, whatever best playmakers put them with Ovechkin. But that one, that one, he ain't going anywhere. Every time he scores, he scores too. <laughs> we'll see. And he's out there with empty nets. Yeah, this is easy. This is easy peasy. I feel better about it now than I did at the beginning of the season. I mean, he hasn't scored in the month of December. He has 13 goals, which would lead. Didn't he have 13 the last time we talked, though? Yeah, he might have. I I acknowledge he hasn't scored in like three straight games. Yeah, that happens. He I has. Just, it's not good for his pace. He has 13 goals, which would lead. Every team except one, two, three, four. That would lead ev- like 20-something teams. Wow. It's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> so he, he was a little hot. He, he was cold. You might remember he was kind of cold to start the year. Then he went on a massive hot streak. Then he cooled down again. Then he was a little hot to end November around Thanksgiving. 
Now he hasn't scored a couple in a row. He's not scoring every other game anymore. Which I mean, that, hurt is... him. that puts him on my pace. I got a mid thirties for the season. Yeah, but then he scores 30 next year and then I, 20 he, something away. I think whatever he gets this year is going to be the highest for the rest of his career. He has four years left on his contract. He will hit 20 in each of them. Record broken. <laughs> okay. Um, how, This isn't on our sheet, but looking at the goals in the league, freaking Jason Robertson. The, how many does he have? The Filipino kid from California leads the NHL in goals. 23. Wow. I mean, absolutely. I mean, he's great. Unbelievable. He's, he's great. A and, player. and he's part of the reason why I thought Dallas would make the playoffs this year. Yeah, you're right. I had less faith in Sagan and Ben to be quality depth players. They've been a little bit more than that. Oh, yeah. Sagan reminds me of like what Hall is to the Bruins. 65, 70 points would be immaculate. Ben looks like the power forward that he once was. Yeah, they look great. Yeah. Uh, last team I wanted to talk about individually, the Winnipeg Jets. Neither of us had them making playoffs, but we both named them as that sneaky team that could prove us both wrong. Well, through 24 games played, they're 16-7-1 and one and are tied for the lead in the Central Division with less games played with the Dallas Stars. Uh, 33 standings points plus 18 goal differential, 688 winning percentage, which is second in the entire Western Conference. What do you make of this team? I'm going to sound like a broken record here. But that's fine. I don't really care because it's everything I'm going to say is the 100% truth. So I'll start off by saying they were a team that we thought could be our surprise team in the Central Division. And boy, a surprise team, we were wrong because they're more than a surprise team. They're just absolutely dominating. And when you, well, first of all, they got five guys with more than 20 points, which is great. We talked about if they want to be that surprise team this year, Two things need to happen. They need their talent on their team to start producing. The guys that didn't produce last year, but the guys that are capable of doing it. They needed to get out of that shelf from last year and produce this year. And the second thing that needed to happen is Hellebuck needed to be that Vezina-type goalie that he once was. And look at what he's been doing this year. I want to start off by saying Wheeler's been better than last year, than he was last year. Morrissey leads the team in points right now. I wouldn't have expected that through this point in the season. No way. When you got a defenseman like Morrissey leading your team in points, he's about to shatter his career best of 37 points was his career best. He's at 27 points. I was not expecting that out of this defenseman on Winnipeg. Not at all. He's 10 points away, and we're not even halfway through the season. That's something that needs to happen for Winnipeg to be that great team, and it is. Shifley can expect another 70-point year, at least, which is another big reason of how good they've been. Pierre-Luc Dubois has 25 points this year. His career best is 62. He's on pace to shatter his career best. We got tons of guys on their team potentially shattering their best year of their career. So when you have five or six guys playing career best years, what could you expect? Not to mention, like I said, Hellebuck, 13-5-1, 226 goals against average, 932 save, percent, uh, 932 save percentage. If that were to end right now, those would be his both career high numbers for goals against and save percentage. When you got guys doing this on one team, 
What do you expect? Riddick, he's been shaky, but, you know, they're still finding ways to get wins. He's got three wins in five games he played. That's fine for a backup. I'm fine with that. He's an okay goalie. He's an okay backup, but they still find wins. With Nashville, Colorado, teams like that in the Central Central Division who have been faltering and not have lived up to kind of our expectations of we thought they would be, they're tied with Dallas right now for first in the division. This division's up for grabs. This isn't a Nashville division. This isn't a Colorado division. This is who could take Winnipeg down. Is it going to be Dallas? Could be. But this is a different Winnipeg Jets team than we both thought they were, and that is because of the six players that I named having career years. You don't see that very often from NHL teams. The way you started your soliloquy here, I thought I was going to have to fight you with a sword. You made it sound like you were about to shit on them. And you just, uh, the shitting never came. And I'm like, okay, so Frankie's in on Winnipeg. Like, I'm like stunned at how that conversation kind of threw me for a loop. So Cole Perfetti is probably right there with Ben Years and a couple other guys for rookie of the year. 16 points, having a really nice year. I'll probably be a 40, 50 point guy in year one. Could be a star player in the coming years. He was a top 10 pick a couple years ago. I, I was high on Cole Perfetti. I, I kind of wanted the Devils to take a look at him when they took Holtz. They ended up taking Holtz. But Perfetti is a really, really good player. I like seeing him as their sixth leading scorer behind all the guys that you mentioned that are in the 20s or better. Um, Another thing people aren't realizing, Ehlers has only played the three most recent games or the two most recent games. And he's got three points, three assists in those two games. He hasn't scored yet, but he will. And you add Ehlers to this mix, Ehlers would be in the 20s with these other five jabronis if – he was healthy. Pierre-Luc Dubois, 25 points. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Dubois reminds me of Heischer. He came into this league as like a 40, 50-point guy who could play a really solid two-way game. But now the points are starting to come as he gets into his yep. mid-20s. It's, you know, you develop a little bit. Not everybody's McDavid when they first come in the league. Pierre-Luc Dubois is right there amongst like those breakout candidate players, and I think he's going to be an elite player for a long time. I actually think... Uh, I think Kyle Connor is going to end up leading the team in scoring still. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois will come in second. Morrissey will probably come in like fifth or sixth uh, just because I don't know about him being a point-per-game defenseman. But I do know about him being close to a point-per-game defenseman. You'll see Ehlers join the mix a little bit. I love Hellebuck. Um, I got not much more. I think you pretty much summed it up perfectly. This team's good. This team is very good. And I do believe they're a Stanley Cup contender at this point with the goaltending that they have and the defense that they have. Just because we don't know their names on defense doesn't mean they stink. And that's the thing I try to warn people about is you sometimes you got to learn and watch and see. Like, it's easy to make these early season predictions and be like, oh, Winnipeg, I, you know, Morrissey's the only D-man I've ever heard of on their team. And Nate Schmidt is old. Like, Hellebuck is washed. Uh, goaltending is, are like pitchers. They vary from year to year. They'll suck one year and they'll be really good the next. Um Bobrovsky's won the Vesna trophy twice and every other year except last year he stunk like it's just peaks and valleys for goaltenders so but seeing this team I'm it's one of those things that I didn't pick it but then after it happens I'm like oh how did I not pick it that's not really all that surprising so that's where I'm at on Winnipeg I think they're very good I think they will make a run at the uh, playoffs listen their first round matchup no matter who it is is going to be tough it could be a series they win it could be a series they lose if they played against Minnesota in the first round, 
uh, I could see them winning it. I could see them I losing it. I think they blow out Minnesota. Yeah, I think they would win too. But um, Maybe in five. Yeah, but like if the Wild won, Marc-Andre Fleury stands on his head. Like I really Oh, yeah, for that. sure. Um, Dallas, I could see that game, that series going either way. Robertson could have a really sick series and win it for the Stars. Or Ottinger, we, we know he's good in the playoffs. He almost took out the Flames last year, who were a significantly better team last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if the, let's say they end up as the one seed and Colorado sneaks in as the eight seed. They get McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis Cog all back healthy at the same time. That series could go either way. That would be a tough draw if you were the one seed in the conference and you drew Colorado as the eight seed. But, I mean... That, that's the kind of stuff that happens sometimes. So if Colorado's healthy, they'll be dangerous. Yeah, as an eight seed. One hundred. That's how I felt about Vegas last year. Vegas got so boned, missing Stone and Eichel for most of the year, and then they started to get back and really got close to that playoff spot at the end of and the year. And look what if happened. They would have snuck in as the eight seed. They would have been dangerous against whoever. Who was the yeah. one seed in the Western Conference last year? It was Colorado. Yeah, wasn't Colorado. It? Yeah, I mean, Colorado probably still would have won, but they might have taken a different chunk out of them than who who did Colorado play in the first round last year? Was it it wasn't Dallas. There was the other wild card team. Oh, the King no, the Oilers played the Kings. Who did Colorado Oh, Nashville. It was Nashville. It was, was it? Nashville. Yeah. The Colorado Avalanche played Nashville in the first round last year. And you know, maybe Vegas would have taken a different chunk out of them than Nashville did, and then they would have went on and lost to the Blues. Like, it would have changed everything right. if Vegas would have made it. So it's always wild to think about how these matchups could affect things in the long term. But watch out for Winnipeg. They are very, I agree. very good. So, Frank, what an outstanding first two periods talking hockey. We got some other things to chit-chat about. Boy, do I got some things to say to you about the college football playoff. So we will do that in period number three. Welcome to period three, where we talk about whatever the eight you want. You want us to talk about something, put it in the chat. I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't threaten me with a good time. That's that's a you're asking a lot now. You're opening the floodgates. I'm trying to find a picture. I mean, I know it in my head, but I'm trying to find a picture with the college football playoff rankings. Well, um, I just want to say, yeah, I was right. You were right and wrong. Well, how was I wrong? I okay, nailed it. I top, nailed it. The top four. No, you na- okay? You nailed it. Yeah, I nailed the order. There's one thing I want. I'm ready to argue with you here about though, and I know what it's going to be. So go ahead. The no, I don't think you do. The number one seed is Georgia, two is Michigan, three is TCU, four is Ohio State. Alabama just misses at five. Alabama didn't get in over TCU, even though TCU lost. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if USC won, they would be in the college football playoff. I don't agree. How? I, th- I told you, Ohio State was getting in no matter what. TCU would be out. If you Oh, you're saying if... If USC won, they were a lock to be in, no matter what. Ohio State, I agree got, with in. You Ohio half, State half. got in because they both lost. I agree half to what you're saying. 
it's because mm-hmm. TCU. No, wait, hold on. If TCU would have won, both lost. If TCU would have won, and USC would have won, they still would have been out. I think. I don't think so. Then why is TCU TCU lost and they're still in? Yeah, because USC lost. Yeah, but you're saying if TCU would have won and USC would have won, they would have both been in. TCU and USC and Ohio State would all be or and TCU and Ohio State would no. If USC won, USC. Oh, it it depends on in our fake scenario what happens to TCU. That's what I'm saying. That's why I half agree with you. But no, I think if they both won, they both get in. Bye bye Ohio State. Because <laughs> if they if they left Alabama out, they're leaving Ohio State out. Just telling you. I think Ohio State is the only team that could take down Georgia. I I listen, this is never an I argument. I don't think Michigan could take down Georgia. Either. Which which is why I think the committee was having Ohio State in because they know they're better than USC. There's five teams that I think could beat Michigan in the SEC. It beat Michigan? I wouldn't shock me if like Ole Miss oh, did. Absolutely. I think did. every team I think every team could beat Michigan. Like that not in the playoffs, I'm saying. Yeah, I think Alabama could beat Michigan. Yes. I don't know who six is. But Michigan earned it. I don't know who, who six, six would is be. Tennessee. I think Tennessee could beat Michigan. So do I. But Michigan earned it. USC would have earned it. They would be a one-loss conference champion. I didn't even think they were that good, to be honest with you. They weren't, but they would have earned it. I don't know. They were frauds. Just like I wanted I them to win just so to see what would happen. If they won and TCU won, the top four would have stayed the same. If Because they were already ranked that way. I was going under the impression that TCU and USC were both going to win. And I still had it Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. Yeah, I that that's where we disagree. Right. Because if oh, if T, if USC would have won, they would not fall for winning. They just won it. They Georgia ranked did. Them. Georgia jumped down to 3 this year and they don't have a loss, so the only undefeated team. They jumped down for winning. Wait, who's? I thought Georgia was one. They are, but during the year they jumped down from winning. Oh, but they yeah, there was, to three from yeah, winning. but at that point in time, you were ranking unbeaten teams. Just, this time you're not doing that. This time you're not ranking unbeaten teams. You're using actual evidence of conference championships and record and strength of schedule. And Georgia's number one. Michigan's number two. They would not have put USC for, they would have ranked USC below Ohio State if, exactly. Yes. That's what I, that's what I agree with Skyler. I agree with Skyler on that. If Ohio State would have went into last week ranked four and USC was five, then I would think they were out no matter what. I don't know. But I, I don't, I don't ever know. We'll never know. I, it's, it's a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame. I just can't see how they would have ranked them higher. And then one was idle, one played, and one. The and committee's the stupid. And you agree like that. You oh, agree. The, the committee is stupid. But I don't I don't think they're that stupid because that would be like uh, – the things they're stupid on are subjective. 
there's no subjective. That's completely objective. Having a team fall, even though they played and won, in favor of a team that didn't play. Ohio State had what two losses, right? One. Oh yeah, they only lost to Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. And how many losses did USC have? One. Three. They have two now. Okay, they- so they have two now. Yeah. I think a one-loss USC team is worse than a one-loss Ohio State team. So do I, but the conference- which is why, if they would have won, I think Ohio State deserved to be in. That's just not. Then Ohio State would have been ranked ahead of them to begin with. They weren't. They wouldn't jump them as idle. An idle team would not jump a conference champion. That's just not. I don't know. There's a re like. Like TCU lost and they stayed because the committee, the committee could have put Alabama over TCU. I kind of thought they were going to, but eh. Alabama but has did. three losses. Somebody has three losses, right? Alabama has. There's somebody I'm thinking of who has three losses. I thought Alabama has two. Georgia and Tennessee, but they they right. weren't conference champions, so they couldn't justify putting two loss Alabama over one loss um, TCU and the one loss is conference championship. They weigh those conference championships. Oh yeah, I believe it. But so, but it is what it is. Ohio state is in USC lost. So the committee had their job easy for them. Um, Even though again, if TCU and USC would have won, I do believe the college football playoff would have just stayed the same and Alabama and Ohio state would have been, but LSU is who I'm thinking of. They have three losses. LSU has three losses after losing to Georgia. Um, Do you think Georgia's going to win? If they beat Ohio state? Yeah. I think that's their biggest test. Yeah. There's one team that could take them down. It's Ohio state. Interesting. Besides Alabama. Yeah, but they're not in. Yeah. I want Michigan to play Ohio State in the national championship so bad. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, so bad. It's possible. I think, I think Michigan's going to roll TCU. But then we would just have the same. If Georgia plays Michigan again, it's the same thing two years in a row, right? Or no, Georgia played no, Alabama Georgia last year. Georgia didn't play Michigan last Georgia year. Georgia played right? Alabama last year. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as much chaos as I thought it was going to be. USC winning. I mean, there really was no chaos possible. The only chaos I could have seen, like if Georgia or Michigan lost, I still think they'd be in. Say just like TCU. Georgia would be in if they lost. Yeah. And Michigan. Now LSU would be back in the conversation, but no two lost teams just don't deserve to be in. They don't. Not when there's other one-loss teams. Sorry. I know who's better. I know who would win in a head-to-head matchup. I get it. But that's not how it can be. It has to be you have to earn it. And, like, get rid of the conferences if you're just putting Ohio State Get rid of the conferences. If you're just putting Ohio State in over USC. Not the conferences, the divisions in the conference. That's what I – Yeah, I mean, it would be nice for – Alabama to have played Georgia in the conference championship. Yep. Instead of LSU. And then maybe Bama would have won, gotten in the playoffs instead. Mm-hmm. But 
it is what it is. There's no perfect science to this. That's why when they get to 12 in a couple years, it's going to be really fun. Oh, yeah. The news just came out 2024. Yeah. All these teams would be in. It would Next year is be... the last year of four teams. Yeah. Who's the best conference champion? Skylar, if you're listening, put the, put a chat in. I want to know who is the best group of five champion. Because it, based on what they're planning on doing with the 12, this year's playoff would be... Was it Tulane? It probably was Tulane. This year's uh, champion, or this year's college football playoff with 12 would be Georgia, Michigan. Tulane, he said. Yep. Yeah, Georgia, Michigan, Kansas State, Utah. Who's the ACC champion? Is it Clemson? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they won. Saturday? I think okay, they won. And then whoever the Big 12 champion is. Big 12 um, was Oklahoma? No. Was or, it Oklahoma? I'm, I'm looking it up now. I have to know. I want to know exactly what. Okay. Um, Kansas State? Oh, Kansas State. I said them. That's Kansas exactly State. Said Kansas said State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan. Tulane and Utah would be the top six. And then the at-large teams would probably be Ohio State, Tennessee, Alabama, um, USC. And I think I would need one more then, right? Mm -hmm. It would maybe be LSU. Oh, maybe. But it would be a lot. It would be a lot more cut and dry. Are you excited for 12 teams? Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot more football. A lot more football. Um, Speaking of more football, good week of NFL, eh? Yeah. Do you have anything that sticks out? I mean, a lot of – I mean, first off, Baker Mayfield was claimed off waivers by the Rams. They don't expect Stafford to return this season, which there's really no need to. They're 3-9. and What's the point? They're not yeah. going to make the playoffs. So I signed Baker, claimed him off waivers, and, I mean, he'll play for the Rams. Poor Rams, but, yeah. another. I mean, there's been a lot of injuries. Jimmy G snapped his leg on an 8-4 and four 49ers team. Lamar Jackson's considered week-to-week on an 8-4 and four Ravens team who are trying to contend for a playoff spot. Um, Aaron Rodgers, we know, still owns Chicago, which not very surprised there. I'm very looking forward to this week, though. There's, it's almost like rivalry week in the NFL. Ravens-Steelers, one of my favorite rivalries in all of football. Steelers owns that series right now. They've won the last four. And another great rivalry game that we also love, the Browns and the Bengals, where the Browns have won the last five meetings against Cincinnati. It's another game I'm looking forward to. Got some good games on the schedule. A lot of news has come lately. Some good, some bad. What do you take of it? In 1997, the Chicago Bears were 1-10 going into week 12. Or week 13. Bye week. They were in steady place to have the first overall pick in the draft. Then they won three of their last five. For no reason. (laughs) They ended up having the fifth overall pick. 
You know who the number one overall pick was in the 1998 NFL draft? Tom Brady? Peyton Manning. The Bears missed out on Peyton Manning to win three of their final five games. The guy who went fifth, I can't even remember his name. He stunk. <laughs> um, Could you imagine? I'm so happy the Bears lost to the Packers. I don't care what anybody says. You could call me whatever you want. I don't care. They now are projected to have the second overall pick. They have the hardest strength of schedule of any NFL team, and that starts with the Bills and the Eagles when they come back from their bye. And if they have the second overall pick, or if they would have beaten Green Bay, they would have the projected fifth overall pick, and Green Bay would have the projected sixth overall pick. Now they're projected sixth and tenth. The Bears did themselves a huge favor by Green Bay winning that game. Um, Skyler wants to know, is Burrow and Mahomes the next Brady and Manning? Yeah, I would throw Josh Allen in there too, and they would call it the next uh, Brady-Manning-Breeze. Um, yeah, I think very highly of Josh Allen too. Um, but I am just head over heels happy that the Bears – are going to have a top three pick, more than likely. I mean, they might not win another game. I hope they don't. But um, another thing I wanted to point out was the Los Angeles Rams are three and nine. They're projected to have the third overall pick, mm-hmm. except that pick belongs to the Detroit Lions from the Matthew Stafford trade. So the Lions are going to have a higher draft pick from the Stafford trade than their own first-round pick. Who would have thought that was coming? It's this uh, Super Bowl hangover. This is more than a hangover. <laughs> they got blackout drunk, accidentally <laughs> drove home, got pulled over by the cops, and got a DUI. <laughs> it's more than a hangover. <laughs> yeah, that's it's rough right now, but I mean that happens. It does suck. It does happen, but I mean I'm excited for this weekend. That's that winning streak for Cleveland ends now. I don't know. Steelers are going to beat the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. Nah, probably. I would probably pick that. They'll continue their streak. Huntley! Huntley! So, Coming in hot for the Ravens! Browns are going to beat the Bengals. No shot. <laughs> Deshaun Watson's back. Oh, I know. He stunk. He stunk. They still won. Barely. They stunk. It was the Houston Texans, too. Um... But- Listen, the Bears passed on Mahomes to take Trubisky, but at least they didn't get stuck with the Watson drama. That that is that is nice. They they didn't draft that scumbag. I mean, I wish they had Mahomes. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever, if not the best quarterback ever. But I still think the Super Bowl champion will be one of Cincinnati, Kansas City. Oh, here we go again. Naming half the league. Philadelphia or uh, San Francisco. Oh, I disagree. Or I still Buffalo. think the Bills are going to win this. Yeah. I'll put Buffalo to round out a five, a five-team <laughs> pick. Don't, I don't care who they lost to. They got three losses. Oh, they lost to K- Kansas City. It's not going to steer me away from thinking right that now. they're going to. But Nobody's it doesn't steer taking, me away. Nobody's taking anything. They're the number Nobody one thinks team. Josh Allen's going to win the Super Bowl this year. It all faltered just because he got a couple losses. They've been running the ball better. I don't think how anybody can't pick them as a Super Bowl contender. Why? Because they lost to the – who'd they lose to? The Jets? They lost Von Miller for the year. That sucks. They're going to win the Super Bowl. 
That doesn't scare me. I have them fifth out of those five teams, but I think they're one of the five teams. Yeah, I agree with the five. I just think the Bills are going to win. Yeah. Did you see someone posted on Twitter, and this just goes to prove my theory right, I always tell people that 90% of NFL games are decided by whether or not that has the ball last, scores, or is stopped. Mm-hmm. And someone came out with the what if NFL standings. What if every one possession NFL game had the opposite result? The Bears would be eight and five and firmly in a playoff spot. If... The Vikings would be one in ten or one in eleven. Uh the Bills would be eight and four. The Browns would be eight and four. The Raiders would be eight and four. The Jaguars would be eight and four. The Broncos um, probably are up there. I know. Yes, the Broncos would be seven and five. Yeah. In the final playoff spot. The Bengals will be tied with them at seven and five. Um, most of the records hover around five hundred. Like outside of the Vikings. Oh, the Giants would be two nine and one. But like most of the top teams in the league would become average teams, and most of the bottom teams in the league would become average teams, which goes to show how much parity there is in the NFL. And not a soul should be surprised when a bad team like the Houston Texans beats a good team like the Buffalo Bills. Like last year, the Bills lost to the Jaguars. And this was before the Jaguars became what they are right now, which is a pretty good team. Like 90% of NFL games end with whether, are decided by whether or not the team with the ball last scores or is stopped. I firmly believe that, and these statistics prove it. The NFC playoffs would be 49ers, Lions, Cowboys, Falcons, Seahawks, Bears, Cardinals. If that if it was like this, I like that. And That's the, an interesting stat. Yeah, and the AFC playoffs would be Browns, Raiders, Jaguars, Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, Broncos. So no Bengals. Even though I think Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's the reason you win those one possession games. Patrick Mahomes is the reason you win those extra possession game or those one possession games. Like that's the difference here. But I don't know. The only thing that's interesting, the only team with the same record, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, six and six either way. Really? Yep. The Eagles are, the Eagles would be six and six, and that's. That's what makes elite teams elite. You win the one possession games. Those are the hard games to win. And that's why I think this year's Bills team is a little bit different because a lot of their wins are blowouts. So really, they've only won, according to this, they've only, they're 11 and they're, they're what right now? What and three? Nine and three? That's week 13. But did they have a bye? Yeah, they had a bye. So they're nine and three. Yeah. And they would be. No, No. is this week 13? I don't know. It's week 14. Then they're nine and three. Yeah. Yeah, they're nine and three. Yeah. And they would be eight and four with this model, meaning there's only one. They've only won one possession. They've only won one one possession game. That that is what gives me pause about the Bills. That's the only thing they've. All, you're telling me eight of their nine wins have been by a possess or by more than one possession. That's great though. That's great, but it's not how the playoffs work. I think is what is a lot of people's issue. I mean, 
If you're a good team, you're going to blow somebody out in the playoffs too, I think. I think so. Listen, but. give me give me one of Bills, Chiefs, Bengals in the Super Bowl. We have an outstanding Super Bowl no matter who their opponent is. Okay. Sign me up. Sign me up. It's and fair. everybody knows that Tom's going to figure it out and roll to the Super Bowl and Dude, with, his, blue. with his nine and eight team. They're going to roll to the Super Bowl and wonder how everyone's going to say, well, how, how, how you saw it against the Saints <laughs> by the skin of his nuts. That's all that matters. How many Super Bowls by the skin of his nuts? Yeah. Nobody. It's not about fancy stats, even though Tom Brady has plenty of fancy stats in his career. But in terms of an individual game, it's not about fancy stats. It's not about this. It's, it's about the W. And Tom Brady figures it out. Until they have to play who in the first round? I believe if the, they would host a playoff game if the season ended today. Because every division winner hosts a playoff game. Mm-hmm. They would probably play. I don't even know. That's a really good question. Let's look. Playoff picture. If the season ended today, the uh, they would host the Dallas Cowboys, who they have already smoked this season. It'd be tough, though. The second time around, really Cowboys tough. look yeah. good. Cowboys look good. There's no doubt about it. Um, but here's the thing. I'm looking at the NFC. Am I all in on the Eagles? They're a really good team. Robert Quinn on IR. The Vikings, ten and two. I predicted them to win the division. I didn't predict them to be ten and two. Um, I'm not sure about them in the playoffs. I could see them being the Seahawks, but then the 49ers, the word on Jimmy G is that it's not as bad as initially thought. Mm -hmm. So he, he's probably not going to play this weekend. I thought they'd get Baker Mayfield, but obviously the, um, the Rams have a higher waiver priority. Is Trey Lance still the backup? Well, he's out for the year though. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's why Jimmy G was put in in the first place. Um, well, I thought he got injured, and then just because of how good Jimmy G was playing, they're like, "Yeah, we're just going to keep him in." No, he's out for the year. We'll see you next year, Trey. Um, what about Washington? The football team is just out of playoffs. They're battling with the Seahawks. The, um. I believe they're they're six five and one, and the Seahawks are seven five and zero. Oh. Yeah, I think you're right. I think. Well, I know they tied this week. Um, no, they're seven five and one. They've played one extra game, so okay. I, bet, I bet Seattle's on a bye this week. That's right. I did know that because there's like six teams on a bye this week. It's like one of the most to end mm-hmm. the buys. Um, then no more buys. Yep. No more buys. Makes fantasy easier. Um, MLB hot stove. Aaron Judge went back to the Yankees. You're not surprised. Not surprised. I was not sweating at all. I knew. It's not going to go anywhere else but the Yankees. Maybe the Mets, but nah. It's just not going to happen. I had Yankees and Giants. He got close to both. The Padres effed it up for the Giants. Probably a smart thing since they're in the same division. Um, but yeah, tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk here on the Barroom Network, you can check out a wonderful episode of Crosstown Crosstalk where I interviewed one of the Twitter legends, Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja that will be at 2 p.m. 
um, Central Time. And I really hope everybody tunes in. This is one of my favorite episodes of Crosstown Crosstalk I've done. It's already done. It's ready to be scheduled. And I really hope everybody tunes in and enjoys it. I will be listening to it on my way to New Jersey, where I will see the New Jersey Devils at their home rink for the first time ever. Very excited about that. Frank, before we head on over to America's favorite podcast segment of the week, tell the people what you are going to watch or play this weekend. All right. So, like, just like I said last week, I'd finished Game of Thrones Season 3, which I did. We started Game of Thrones Season 4. I've watched Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas Special. Outstanding. Must watch. You learn a lot in there, actually. That's uh, pretty, I would say, key to know in the Marvel Universe. Also watched Werewolf by Night, which is a Marvel special as well, kind of like the Christmas special, which I highly suggest that you watch it if you're keeping up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, because it will have implications down the line. Um, Also watch the Guardians of the Galaxy Season or 3 trailer. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it yet, VP. Very good trailer. It's going to be a tearjerker, I think. And Super Mario Bros. trailer I watched too, which has been out for a while, but I just got around to watching it. Um, It looks decent. I'm going to go see it, I think, in theaters when it comes out. Bowser's Jack Black, Chris Pratt's Mario. There's a lot of good no, big-name uh, actors and actresses in there, so I'm excited. That is exciting. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah, Super Mario Bros. movie. You watch the trailer. It's actually like pretty cool. Bowser's <laughs> the villain. They like go to his cat. It's like really cool. Um, I don't know how well it'll do. but And also for the gaming um, community... Elden Ring DLC came out today. It's the first DLC, completely free. Um, focuses on PvP type stuff, doing battles and Coliseum solos with teams. So that's pretty interesting too. So if you're into Elden Ring, you could. Uh, I think it's just an update actually, but they're calling it like a DLC. But you just log into your game, download the update, you get some new uh, content there, which is pretty spectacular. Game of the year and the game awards tomorrow. So that'll be interesting. Did Elden Ring and From Software release this to try and get a couple extra votes for Game of the Year one day before the award ceremony happens? Like, well, a little more ammo, get more votes for Game of the Year? I don't know. We'll find out who wins Game of the Year tomorrow, I believe. So uh, it'll be exciting. Very good stuff, Frank. Um, For me... I'm not going to be watching anything this weekend. I'm going to New Jersey. So I'm just going to be be watching the Devils game. Yeah, I'll be watching the Devils game in person twice. One at the Prudential Center, one at Madison Square Garden. Um, Very much looking forward to it. I literally can't wait. Like when I finish this podcast, I'm pretty much going to, you know, get some stuff together, finish some work and then like go to bed early so I can wake up in time for the drive. We're leaving uh, very early in the morning. Um, I believe we are doing something for the New York Jets game on Sunday. We are visiting somebody who is a big New York Jets fan. Um, Shout out to the Lemons family. I believe we are coming to watch the Jets. Um, No, I know we are going to watch the Jets, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, The Bears are on a bye, so I don't have to do any work for fan-sided, which is kind of nice that this is the weekend that I'm going. I can literally just kind of free my mind and watch football as a fan. Um, very excited about that. So over the weekend, I guess go Jets. I'm rooting for the Jets this weekend. Big Jets guy. <laughs> Jets. Buy a Jets jersey. 
No. <laughs> uh, the, the Jets are like, I literally think, and no, I'm not going to say that. I, I'm a Chiefs guy and a Bengals guy right now. Like, my Fair. my loyalties lie with my fan-sided. I love fan-sided. We all know where the Chiefs come from. Fair enough. Um, I like the Bills, too. I used to use the Bills in uh, the very first football game I ever bought, the one with Brian Erlacher on the cover, 2K4. I want to say it was. Um, yeah, I like the Bills a lot. Cool uniforms. Josh Allen is one of the best. So uh, the the AFC has my attention for the most part this year. Plus Tom, you know those are those are my teams this year. Uh, obviously, the Bears are my team every year, but I have future wishes for them rather than present ones. But I think it is time where Frankie Mueller tries to make you a little bit of cha-ching in America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Where's my money, bitch? You mother, you motherfucker, you. Hey, if you followed my picks last Wednesday, you went three for three. We swept the board. Going to do it again this week. I'm going to start you off with your weekly hockey pick. The New York Rangers travel to the Fortress to play the Vegas Golden Knights. And it is very hard to win in the Fortress. Not many teams have done it. With this inconsistent Vegas team and the Vegas Golden Knights fresh, hot off a Boston Bruins win on the road is something that no other team has been able to do this year and beat the Boston Bruins at home. I think the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, this could be a letdown spot for the Golden Knights after a big win against the Bruins. This is something you see all the time. You see them have that big win and then a letdown the next game. But if the Rangers are going to go into the Fortress and beat the Knights, then so be it. But I'm going to take the Golden Knights at minus 141 on the money line. If they lose, they lose. But I think this is a great spot for the Knights at home against a slumping, inconsistent Rangers team. Switching to college basketball, Eastern Washington, California tonight. If you're a college basketball fan, this game, not even on your mind. It's not even on your schedule of games like to keep track of. Eastern Washington, 3-5. and five. California, 0-9. Haven't been able to get a win. It's a game that, like, nobody's going to keep track of. But there's value here with California at 0-9. I think they cover the three. Okay, California, minus three, minus 110. Eastern Washington has this cupcake schedule. They haven't won on the road this year. They lost to FIU their last road game, Florida International University, whereas California has had these grinds against these tough teams like Arizona they lost to, USC, Clemson, TCU. They've been playing these hard college basketball teams, and that is why their record reflects that. They're 0-9 because they have a hard strength of schedule. Eastern Washington Miles worse, in my opinion, than California. California gets their first year and covers the spread tonight at minus three, at minus 110. I think that's a fantastic bet. It's also a way to keep track of a game that you might not have otherwise cared about if you didn't put a little dough on it. So there you go. Second pick right there. Third pick in the NBA. We got a blockbuster matchup tonight. If you're an NBA fan, if you're a sports fan, you might want to tune into this. Celtics play 
the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. Suns have one of the best home records in the league, if not the best. It might be the best at 12-2. and two. They get Chris Paul back tonight. They are nearly fully healthy. Celtics have one of the best road records in the league. Something's got to give with the dog or with the Suns being slight pick them underdogs. I'm saying like half a point underdogs. It is basically a pick them. I like the Suns money line at minus 109. Celtics have been traveling quite a bit. They traveled to Brooklyn, then they traveled to Toronto, and now they're traveling to the West Coast to play Phoenix. They just might be tired. I like the Suns at home with a nearly full healthy team. I think they're only missing like Washington Jr., which he doesn't even like impact the game that much. He averaged like four points per game. So basically fully healthy Suns team at home. I think they're going to get it done against the Celtics. By the way, the Suns lost to the Mavericks their last game. I just don't see them losing two in a row with how good this team is. So take the Suns money line at minus 109. Money, 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 money. And we're going to try and sweep the board for two weeks in a row. Money. That California team that's 0-9, is that, that's Cal? Cal. Jesus. I haven't won a game. They do tonight, though. This is uh, where they get it done. It's a bad look for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and Andrew Vaughn. Well, it is a bad luck, but it's the truth. It certainly is. Frank, do you ever watch the Pat McAfee show? Um, mm, Once in a while. Once in a I while. I watch it close to every day, like pretty close to every day, and I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with it. Uh-huh. I love it. It's my favorite. I honestly think it's my favorite sports show right now. More than anything from anyone else. I, wow. I, was, I, I really enjoy Colin Coward. I watch him a fair amount. He was my favorite at the start of the season for football. But like over this season and parts of last season, I, I would say the Pat McAfee show is my favorite piece of media right now. And I just wanted to throw it out there as a recommendation to everybody to watch it. If you're looking for things to watch during the day while you work, it's 11 to 3 every day. Uh, you have uh, Overreaction Monday where they go over all the football stuff that happened over the weekend, college and NFL included. And at uh, then they preview the Monday night football game. Then there's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Um, feel good Wednesday. I forget what Thursday is. And then feel good Friday. Taco Thursday. Taco Thursday. Every day is taco day for VP. Taco day that ends in Y. Um, but yeah, I just really, I'm, I don't get paid to talk about Pat McAfee or anything like that, but. I really enjoy watching it. I do get paid to write blogs for puckpros.com, dewindycity.com, southsideshowdown.com, and pucksandpitchforks.com, where you can find all of my content spanning all the Chicago sports and the NHL. Very much a fan or thankful for people who check out the blogs. The winter meetings are going on right now, so you can get a little bit of flavor of baseball here on the Barroom Network tomorrow at 2 p.m., where I will be on with the Pitching Ninja I hope everybody tunes in. That's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed watching today and keeping up with the good times as we roll through the holiday season. Frank, do you have any final words for the people before we head on out? Um, no, just have fun in uh, New Jersey. Enjoy your birthday and uh, happy podcast birthday. This is your uh, last podcast before your birthday. So a happy podcast birthday to you, sir. Thank you very much.
Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Make sure you go to apptrigger.com to read all of Frankie Mueller's articles. You can follow him on Twitter at the King Bean. And special shout out to my girlfriend, Caitlin, for all the things she's done to help me set up this trip to New Jersey. I wouldn't be able to do any of it without you. And then an extra special shout out as well to Joey Parisi, who is making the trip out to New Jersey. So without those two, um, this trip, well, without Katie, this trip wouldn't be possible. I'm you know, forever grateful for you. And I love you. And then Joey, wow. Thank you so much for coming. It's outstanding. You know, it's going to be so much fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. So thank you to everyone for listening. And as always, thank you for listening.